Here we go. I get those goosebumps every time you come around, yeah. You lose my mind, you make everything so fine. Worry about those times, I'm way too young, yeah. It's way too dumb, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the time throw that to the side, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah. When you're not around, me, throw that to the side, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah. 713, through the 21, yeah, I'm riding. Why they on me? Why they on me? I'm flying. I'm sipping low key. I'm sipping low key and hiding. I get those goosebumps every time you come around, yeah You lose my mind, you make everything feel fine Worry about those times, I'm way too young, yeah It's way too young, yeah I get those goosebumps every time I keep the hype, throw that to the side, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah When you're not around me, throw that to the side, yeah. Good evening, everyone. Yes, we are back for the second of a double whammy on a Thursday evening. Uh, the Champions League draw has been done, um, and we are now back uh, for away days for the big match preview. Bigger match now than it was maybe uh, seven days ago, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but we are back, that's for sure. And got the main man, Chris Hall, the old Brandy and Blaze back in. Uh, the groove. Mate, how are you? How's things? Oh, good, mate. Yeah, great to be back. Um, been really looking forward to having Adam on. Um, right in the... It'll be interesting to see how Adam's feeling for this game because um, we've both come off the back of um, some nasty defeats, shall we say. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good game. And then obviously, you know, Brighton, Brighton have had a little bit of news in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, haven't they, about a certain someone coming in. So it's going to make it even more interesting. So now I'm really looking forward to it. And it's always nice to be uh, playing under the lights of an evening, isn't it, a Premier League game. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Good stuff, good stuff. It's, uh, we're, we're back in business looking at the game. But look, why not look at it once again? Uh, Champions League draw has been made. Uh, the the group of death, as someone as some have called uh, have called it, uh, PSG, Borussia Dortmund, AC Milan, and of course Newcastle United in the group stage. And uh, we are buzzing. If you didn't catch the the reaction show for the Champions League draw, make sure you go back and watch that one. Um, yes, it is going to be a big one. And of course, Sandro Tonali uh, is going back to um, his hometown club uh, to AC Milan. It should be a special one for him. That is for sure. Um, but look, uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into all things Newcastle United and back to the Premier League. I just want to ask you really quickly, Chris, look, have you recovered from Sunday? Not fully. Not fully. Got to admit, mate, like, I've been I've been really struggling the last few days and it's, it's nice to be back. Uh, obviously, we've done the Champions League draw, so that's taken me attentions off it, but I'm still, I'm still absolutely wounded off it. Like, I, I can't even bring myself to watch back you know, like I've not watched the match back. I've not looked at the reaction shows. I just can't. I just can't do it because when I was out with my mates, honestly, I was I was doing laps at the place where I was when we went one nil up, which is a bit risky being bang in the middle of Liverpool. But regardless, couldn't help it. I was absolutely buzzing. Um, and then when that happened at the end, it was just it was absolutely um, 
you know, heartbreaking, I'll say. Um, but I'm going to forget about it, and I'm just going to focus now on Saturday and keep him, keeping me spirits high. Definitely. Uh, it's the only thing we can do. Um, yes. Keep our spirits high and hopefully, and hope that the boys are ready to rock and roll again. But look, as always, we get the opposition's view and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back Adam from Together BHA. Um, all the way from his very, very busy life and he's been a busy man today, uh, but he's taken time to come and join us and we massively appreciate it. So welcome in. Adam, how you doing, fella? Good. What's up, guys? It's uh, it's good to it's good to be back. I I wish I could, you made me sound way more important than I am. I'm just busy with absolute crap. So it's uh, everything around me is falling. I'm trying to put stuff on the wall. There's a lot of silliness happening. But it's good to be here. I think maybe if we could all collectively agree that last week didn't happen, that would be quite mm. good, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely uh, fantastic. Just move move swiftly onwards. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to move swiftly onwards, but I'm going to ask you just very quickly uh, to uh, to kind of you know package it into a small summary of you know, what happened because I had you boys down for a guaranteed win. You won, I think, was it 13 on the bounce previous to that against West Ham? And uh, what 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 went wrong? Uh, we got moist. Yeah, it was. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Brighton, obviously, we, we've always, in the last few years, done really well against sides that come out and try and bring a, like, take a game to us. Yeah. Especially true under Deserby, right? The whole purpose of the way the game plan works is you bait an opposition press on, you, you then get the ball out quickly and you've got at least a one-man advantage. It's really hard to do that when the other team doesn't press and they put 11 men behind the ball. Um, or maybe 10 with Mikel Antonio just waiting for a pass. Um, and that's what happened. And and those games, we did the same thing last year against Everton. If you remember, there was a shock result towards the end of the season where we got smashed by Everton. Same thing happened. Counter-attack, counter we couldn't break them down. And then as soon as they get the first goal, uh, we just, we struggle. The game could have gone so differently. If we get a goal against their, like, I hate this phrase, but their low block, then it would have been a completely different game. Like I think we'd have just gone on to win it two, three nil. Um, but these ones happen every now and then. It's uh, and we just uh, pretend they they didn't. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Um, we would definitely pretend uh, they won't. But look, Chris, I, I'll come to you from from your perspective. You know, were you surprised at, at the Brighton result at the weekend? And and look, I want to get your opinion on how you think it may impact on us from a Newcastle perspective going into this weekend what what do you think brighton's response will be after after that result on saturday um well i'll start i'll start by saying yeah i was really shocked at the result um because i, I rate brighton very very highly um under the zerbi they've they've kind of gone up a notch you know obviously under potter they were they were doing really well and then zerbi come in there was a few doubts um but zerbi's kind of took the reins hasn't he and then pushed them on even further and as and we've said this to you loads of times, you know, like when you look at Brighton squads, there's loads of players where you'd be like, yeah, I'd have him. I like him. He's really good. He's going to be good. You know, the list goes on and Brighton are really starting to look a force as last season showed where they, where they ended up finishing. Um, in terms of how Brighton are going to see this game, I think they're going to see it very similar to our game. Uh, sorry, very similar to ourselves in that, you know, they, they didn't get the result that they wanted uh, last week. 
and they will see this as the game where they can kind of you know go into the international break and think right we've come back off you know we've got a win there regroup and then come back stronger after the international break but it's going to be difficult for both teams brighton obviously having the advantage with the you know with it being at home uh, at the amex but I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's one of those games, and we make me make describe this to me the other day when I forget which match he was talking about. I think about actually our match, uh, Newcastle Liverpool, and he said to me, "It's one of those games where if it, if it's a home win, away win, or a draw, at the end of the game, you go, yeah, I knew it'd be that. It's one of those where any one of the three could happen." Um, and he was a blue, by the way, so obviously he doesn't have that problem because he tends to see that they lose. <laughs> and he sees one of the results. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> So he doesn't have that issue, but yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a really interesting game, um, and it'll just it'll just it'll be intriguing to see how both teams set up. Obviously, we we potentially are going to be without Botman. Brighton are going to be hurting from from that West Ham performance, but also it was a bit of an eye opener because, as Adam says, you know they got moised and you could kind of see what was happening, but it's you know being able to stop that and being able to you know maneuver around that. Is sometimes a lot more difficult than what it looks in practice. Yeah, I think what's in, uh, I think you're right on everything you've just said. The uh, there's also like it's hard to draw a conclusion from like the game we played towards the end of last season where you battered us as well because that was in a run of like really intense amount of fixtures that Brighton had at that particular point. And I'm pretty sure for the most part, I wouldn't say we rested because that sounds disrespectful. I think deservedly knew that the away game to you guys was basically going to not go particularly well and put out a bit of a lower strength team. Um, and he rested uh, McAllister, didn't he, Adam? He rested McAllister. Caicedo was playing right back. Dennis Zendav was playing. like it, it, there's the, the, the team's not going to look particularly similar to that last game. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think this one's, this one's going to be a weird one, especially coming off the back of our collective last weeks that we had. But I also like, I think with the West Ham game, the, the, I I angry tweeted at lawless because I can't, (laughs) I, I feel bad for people having to watch that football because it bores me. And I'm like, Oh, can you just like try and do something? It's really, it's great. You got the points. Like, it's wonderful that you got the points, but like, God, I, if I had to watch that each week, I would be miserable. Um, and uh, you guys won't do that, so that's why. And, and there's most other teams. There's pretty much eighteen other teams in the Premier League uh, that won't play like West Ham, and that's nice. So hopefully that ends up in being an enjoyable game, whatever happens this weekend. But I think you're right. Like. Uh, but personally, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to play that way because that's not really how any house set out our team. No, it's got more pride. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris, I don't know. You remember from last season, we had two teams come to St James's Park and pretty much do exactly the same. We probably should have won both of them. And uh, no, in fact, more than two, uh, three. There was Bournemouth earlier on in the season at home, and I think we drew one-one. Palace, I think that was nil-nil, and we had that goal that should have stood and yeah. didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Leeds, New Year's Eve, I think they ended up getting a point from us. I think did they get a point? Yeah, they got yeah. That was that was when they were time wasting, wasn't it? And they yeah. had us in the in the corner, and they were you know like kicking the ball away and stuff like that. And... Like the seventieth minute, like they, yeah. they were they, they were doing that, and it, and it's like that, and it is very negative football. It's very much like what you said, Adam, where it's like. 
we'll put 11 men behind the ball and it's right, you break us down. You break us down, you do that. And then if not, we're going to hit you on the break. And that's how it's scored. Bournemouth scored doing exactly that. Palace tried to do that. A couple of good saves from Pope, but never really looked like troubling us. And Leeds did exactly the same. And it's just like, it's so frustrating because it's such, it makes the game such a horrible watch. It really, really does. And it's not, it's not enjoyable at all. But you know, Lawless, Lawless, Lawless will be shameless and tell you that he's been a Moist fan all his life. And, and this, is, <laughs> this is the West Ham way and all the rest of it. But look, it, it, it is what it is. I um, pity him that he has to watch it. So he can say what he wants, make himself feel better however he wants. But uh, yeah, I don't have to watch 90 minutes of that each weekend. So uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Definitely. Thank God for that. And But look, we are... We're, I like to pride both of our team, uh, uh, pride ourselves on the fact that both of our teams play good football. Um, I was looking at a stat the other day, and I, I, I tried to find it and I couldn't, but it was from the other fourteen um, outside the top six, and it was looking at teams with the most touches on the ball um, and the most successful passes. And really interestingly, the top three teams of the other fourteen were Brighton. Villa and Newcastle. Um, and interestingly enough that it was, even though I think it was Brighton at the top, then Villa and then Newcastle. And it was and the only reason we weren't above Villa is because of successful passes. But interestingly, Newcastle and, uh, and Brighton had the most passes that they had during the game. So they like to control possession and control the ball. Um, it was just, I think, the successful passes was just slightly lower than Villa's. Uh, which is why their percentage was a little bit higher, whatever it was. But um, it just goes that it goes to show that we are a team. We are two teams that like to play football, and that's the key. And, and, and this kind of brings me on to a, a another kind of conversation. Really, is that like he um, Deserbi has kind of come in and and revamped everything that, that you've done. But you were already quite a footballing side anyway under Graham Potter, um, and, and so. Yeah. You, you are fast becoming one of those one of those like top level possession sides. But I just wanted to ask you this question because Arsenal get banded for the same thing: good passing side, good footballing team, but they don't have a plan B. Has Deserby, in your opinion, adopted a plan B, an alternative to the way in which you play? Yeah, it's an interesting question. If there's noise in the background, I don't know what's happening. Someone's vacuuming. Uh, who knows? It sounds like, I sound like I'm in a wind tunnel uh, from my standpoint. But um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Graham Potter didn't have a plan B. Uh, and Deserby, it's weird. It's, and someone mentioned this in the chat a little bit earlier while, while you were speaking. Um, is that we both have like one way of playing. And that's like that's very true. Deserby, is, Deserby has his system. But at the same time, the Deserby like way is about possession. It's about quick, like structured build-up that happens instantaneously, and then you're through. Um, but all his sides that he's managed have all been like very high up on the sort of goal-scoring charts, and that was the difference from Grand Potter. Grand Potter was all about how do we carefully construct open opportunities, and we would watch Brighton week in and week out, and you would see us sat around the box of the opposition. We'd have eighty percent possession. And we'd have 15 XG and we wouldn't score. Uh, the difference with the Zerbi is the chances that we get, we tend to put away. And that's that's the main like change that we have. Now, is there like a 
if you do face the West Ham, does he have a plan B? Well, right now, no, because what ends up happening is we just don't have the quality of a top four team to be able to break down a side like that every time. But I tell you what, it does help when you sign Barcelona youth prodigies. Um, that certainly helps a little bit. So that's um, that's our, our plan B is now Ansu Fati. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about it because um, it is linked with, it is heavily linked with the fact that you are very close to signing uh, Ansu Fati. Um, there's um, rumours, uh, and you might be able to confirm this, uh, so I'll get you to kind of uh, add to the, add to this conversation that um, he's already at the Brighton training ground and it's yeah. looking like it could be wrapped up. Um, look, just what do you make of this deal? And, and look, just give us the, the the kind of the bigger picture on it, on, on some of the details that we might not necessarily know as Newcastle fans. Uh, so, yeah, the, of course, you have everyone that starts tracking private jet flights. Uh, so I'd, there's, there was all that happening this morning. And then, but there was, this all happened yesterday. Like, it was just, it's been a really weird 24 hours with, he was, someone tweeted out, like, he's 99% sure Antifat is going to Spurs. And then suddenly it came up, oh, actually now Brighton may be involved. And then that started going. And then everyone got excited. And then suddenly it then came out that, hold on, there's now also a La Liga side. This was like a 1 a.m. UK time last night that was trying to like gazump Brighton after they gazumped Spurs. Um, and that was Sevilla. It came out after the fact that they were trying to get him on loan. But apparently a phone call with De Zerbi was the thing that pushed him to sign for Brighton. Um, and there's, there's some murmurings going on in the background that, Barcelona like De Zerbi and there's some favours being done maybe that, that might then contribute to where he ends up in the future but again that's speculation at this point uh, what we understand is it may even be while we're talking now that there's a, a photo that comes up with with um, with Ansu Fati signing his contract because he arrived at the Lansing training ground about two hours ago okay wow um, yeah I'm not going to lie um, we we had Keith Downey of Sky Sports on last night um, to talk about it. In yeah, fact. I saw that. It's nice. It, it looks like um, it looks like we're done in the market. But you know, when we came off the show and then we saw that was kind of <laughs> we were start, We were kind of like, come on, come on, guys, are we, are we really done? Can we not? Can we not sneak this one in? It, it's a terrific signing, and, and and it's a signing in a place that we kind of feel. Like and look, Chris, I, I get your opinion on this, but just talk about Ansu Fati and um, Adam just giving his kind of like opinion on uh, on on that deal and, and the breakdown of it. Um, you know, we were saying we came, uh, me and the lads came off the the Keith Downey show, and when we saw it break, we we're kind of thinking that that's a position that we really could could do with. I mean, Chris, in your opinion, like how big is that Ansu Fati uh, loan deal uh, to Brighton? It's it, it's a huge deal, isn't it? Um, but what makes it even bigger is the fact, and this is no offence, Adam. It's the fact that Brighton have managed to attract them because I think if oh, I'm shocked team, more than you are, trust me, mate. If any of the Premier League teams had got him, I think everyone would just took a step back and gone, oh, you know, if he'd gone to Man United or Chelsea, or you know, he, he's a, he's a player who, what, 18, 24 months ago, like 
if you even attempted to get him out of Barcelona, you'd have just got laughed out. It wouldn't have even been a conversation. So the fact that Brighton have managed to, you know, kind of nail him down, it's it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And he could, he could be anything he wants he wants to be, couldn't he? he? He's one of those players who, like, you see once once every blue moon. And if he can translate that from you know playing in La Liga to then doing it in the Premier League for Brighton. The the thing I'm waiting on now, Adam, and I don't know whether it, it whether you've heard or not, is whether or not there'll be like an option of an obligation in there. There's or do not. you think it is just a straight it's loan? It's a straight up loan. Oh. Yeah, there's and that's the downside, but because uh, we've done that in the past in recent history and then fallen in love with a player with Levi Colwell was the example of that. Yeah. And then we couldn't get him. Um but I tell you what, it's gonna be a fun twelve months uh to have him. Uh yeah, there's there's no option to buy. I think Barcelona know he wasn't going to get game time. He's low on confidence because of all of his injuries. Um, and they just want to run a slightly different system, right? Lewandowski's there and they have to play a slightly different way. But um, I think they've seen what's happened with Caicedo and McAllister and the way in which we play that could bring out the best in him. If he has a good season, injury-free, which is a big question mark, uh then they can bring him back, either keep him or they can sell him for a big fee, which they wouldn't otherwise get at this particular point. And I think that's, and that Barcelona have got all their financial struggles. They had to get him off the books. Um, and I think that the numbers that are coming out at the moment, I see somebody ask this is like, um, there's no cost for the loan, but Brighton are covering 80% of his wages, which he's on 200 grand a week. Um, and just wow. like, so everyone knows that that's like pretty much double what anyone else is on. We, we, we don't pay big wages um tony bloom and paul barber keep that that structure very consistent um but that you don't play in europe very often when you're brighton so you've got to do something big yeah absolutely and i mean i, I look at the coutinho deal and coutinho obviously is more established player at that particular time but he went to aston villa i think on loan initially did or did okay and then made it permanent could well be the case could well be that he has a really good time and really enjoys his time at Brighton, you have a really successful period, and it could well be that he does want to make it permanent. He does want to stay there, and I don't know how much that fee would be. I've got to be honest. Look, I'm already dreaming as it is that we've got him for a loan. The thought of him signing permanently is a bit too much for me. I need need to lay down. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. But I think it's also exciting for the Premiership. Like it's it's going to be it's going to be good to see him. Um, a, a player that is he's still only twenty. Yeah. Uh, like, I think he started playing the Champions League when he was 17 yeah. um, so uh, the idea of seeing what he can do and again I know you guys don't like care about the excitement of a Brighton fan but like the thought of having Matoma uh, and Jao Pedro and, and Ansu Fati and Evan Ferguson as like a front like it's just huge like we our best player up front was Mope like 18 months ago like <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I haven't been as excited about a signing as I remember um, back. This was, God, how long ago was this at this point? This would have been about 11 years ago when we signed, we pulled off the signing of Vicente, the Valencia player. Yeah. Um, and this was like just at that time, like n nobody could believe that we could attract a player like that. I think he'd won the Champions League with Valencia. Um, and uh, we brought him in and obviously... I tell, I've never, I've never watched a, a a game happen in person at 
and see someone that was so much better than everyone else on the pit. I've never seen it before. It was clear that he was just brought over and it was like, this guy is like a, a Rolls Royce surrounded by a bunch of Ford Mondeos. Uh, it was unbelievable. The downside being is that he was on the massage table for 90% of his time there. But this is the, for us, this is as big a signing as that Vicente signing like all that time ago. Interesting, interesting. Uh, someone put in the uh, in the comments, I think I might have started it, Chris, actually. Um, oh, yeah, go on, mate. I think it was Adam, Adam McCarthy said, will Ansu Fati be in the Brighton squad? But what, what do you think? Do you think that you're going to have to throw him in? Nah, no chance. I don't think so. I the because we've also we made another signing this week, uh, Belieber as our sort of long-term Moises Caicedo replacement. Some nineteen-year-old that we signed from Lille. Um, so I don't think I don't think he'll even be in the squad either. So this is actually like a really nice time to play Brighton. I think because we've just come off the back of a loss. The squad is all still moving around a little bit. Things aren't certain. We obviously. Julio and CISO um, was the one that got injured that sort of probably made this whole Ansu Fati transfer possible. Yeah, so he's out. Um, but I think it's going to be too quick for some of these other guys. I don't think we'll see, like, I don't think we'll see him this weekend. If we do, then I apologise and I'll be pleasantly surprised. Do we know how much loan's going to cost, Adam? No, we, I don't think it's costing. We're just, just the wage coverage, as far as I know. Yeah, as far as I know. but again for Brighton, this is that's a lot. That is a lot. Um, like what is that? So what do what do I say? It's about eighty percent, one hundred sixty grand a week for Brighton. Uh, we don't we don't give that money out normally. Yeah, it's um, big money, but could well be an absolute gem of a signing if he uh, if he turns it on. But um, yeah, I just want to talk about Newcastle United for a little bit now. Obviously, um, not. Not the the start that we anticipated, but I'll, I'll put this up because it was a some, some something that we had up right at the beginning of the season. We were up there right at the top in terms of the hardest fixtures. We had Villa at home, which we won. Then Man City at the Etihad. Liverpool um, came to St James Park as we talked about uh, and, and want to forget from last Sunday. <laughs> uh, and then we go to the Amex. Um, uh, and then if you want to go beyond that, we've got Brentford at home, where we were also a very, uh, very, very good side. So we've not had the easiest of starts. We're sitting yeah. on three points, um, having come off the back of two defeats from Man City and Liverpool. Um, some sections of the fan base are kind of, you know, panicking a little bit to a certain extent. Most of us are kind of a little bit more relaxed about the situation. What do you, in your opinion, Adam, think of Newcastle um, coming to the Amex on Saturday. Are you worried about who's coming to the Amex having been off, off the, the back of that defeat to Liverpool or um, are you looking to really kind of hit back and make your own statement um, yourselves? Where do you see Newcastle at the moment? Uh, yeah, I mean, for the for your if any of your fans are getting antsy, I'm like, come on. You have to play Man City well, you smashed Villa and everyone before the season like, oh, Villa, they're going to be really, really good. And I think they still will be, but you absolutely spanked them. Mm. Uh, everyone loses against Man City. You can't take anything from that. And then, look, sometimes you have these games that are a bit of an aberration. And I feel like that was probably last weekend for you. So, no, I mean, I don't think you've got anything to be worried about. Am I worried about Newcastle coming to the MX? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
um, because we've had, and I don't know the chart. I don't know if I agree with your chart about us. We had an absolute cakewalk of an opening few games and we managed to screw that up. But um, yeah, I mean, what have we played? Luton at home, then Wolves away, and then West Ham, who we always beat apart from last week. So yeah, I, I, this is a, you, you are our hardest game by a country mile um, so far this season. Uh, and it doesn't matter where we play it. I'm, I'm concerned about playing you guys. It's, but it's always an interesting game. Let me put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Chris, um, from your perspective, Newcastle, you know, I asked you kind of your, your opinions and how you're feeling after the kind of Liverpool game, but what are your feelings going into the Brighton game? I know we had a little bit of a chat before we went on, on, on air about it, but like, how are you feeling going to the Amex after that Liverpool defeat, um, yeah, it's gonna be a tough game. Yeah, very, very tough game. Um, I feel, I feel like you know the tails will be up with the with the Ansu Fati signing, as Adam says, whether or not he's playing or not. I imagine he'll probably get um, he'll probably get you know uh, announced to the crowds, you know, before the game, and that'd just be that be that'd be electrifying, you know, for the Brighton fans. But yeah, I'm I'm nervous over it. The thing that makes me most nervous is the fact that that West Ham result, that's what worries me because I think, you know, they're really going to have their head screws on uh, on Saturday and I kind of, and I know this sounds weird, I kind of wish that, like, they, they beat West Ham because then maybe maybe a little Same. bit of, uh, you know, a little <laughs> bit of, well, yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, they may, may may have taken us for granted a touch, who knows if they'd have won, but I, I do feel like Deserby's going to really, you know, really be drilling them this week and it's such a big game for us because you know if we if we you know get beat by City then get beat by by Liverpool then lose to Brighton, you know we are, we we have uh, you know a little bit of a mini crisis if you like and Adam, mm. Adam's right in that we're playing Man City and you know the Liverpool game was a bit of a freak but no one likes to lose three games on the bounce and I just think you know with Sven Bottom being out as well it's 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 going to be it's going to be a, a difficult weekend uh, weekend match for us and I I am nervous about it I'm not going to lie and. I hope we turn up and I hope we show up and you know really try and turn turn it around. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, it is it like I said earlier. It is one of them games where I could see any of the three outcomes happening and go, oh yeah, I could have called that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those games. I'm after watching. So I had a weird time watching your game last week because I was coming home from Jamaica and I was watching. I was watching uh, uh, the game in an airport in Jamaica and then obviously the whole I think I watched maybe 60 minutes or whatever like before all the silliness happened so I was like okay well obviously it's just gonna they'll close this out but the the big I'm not trying to put salt in the wind here but um <laughs> our Anthony Gordon was like I'm sure he, he was incredible and our biggest weakness uh this whole season so far is we have a problem at right back uh, a big problem. And if we are going to make any more signings, it will be a fullback, probably either for left back cover, because Purvis SDP is pretty much a one man band on uh, at left back. And then at right back, we've basically been playing James Milner. Uh, mm. James Milner is a decent player. He's a, he's a crap right back uh, now at his age. <laughs> uh, it's, all, I was, it's, it's horrible watching it. But when you've got a guy like Purvis SDP, who I rate as one of, one of the better left backs in football at the moment, quite honestly, and he's got a, a motor on him that he will run for 90 minutes up and down the pitch. And James Milner's a fit guy, but he's old and he's slow. So the space that is opened up behind James Milner, from what I saw of Anthony Gordon, 
I just I kept picturing his his annoying face running past James Milner and just giving us a torrid time. And then Adam Webster, who was playing right centre back next to Lewis Dunk, caused basically made like three mistakes. And the first one he fell over, and that was that was how West Ham scored their first goal. Um, and uh, then he made another horrible mistake as well. He was terrible. So like if if Jordan uh, if Gordon has a good day. Uh, and we're playing Milner at right back, then yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone say he's, he's a good player, not a right back. I completely agree. Should be playing in our pivot, but we don't have a proper right back. So. Wow. So mm. it, 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 that's an interesting one because Milner, Milner played for Liverpool at right back a few times. He was never really, really strong, was he? So what, 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 what are you thinking, Chris? Are you thinking... You thinking Gordon? I mean, look. Let's face it. Gordon has to start, surely. Yeah, he has to start. Yeah, it's funny though, isn't it? How things how things quickly change. Because I remember before the Liverpool game, I was saying, "Oh, I don't know whether we should start Gordon. Why should we go? You know, with Barnes, who's a lot more direct." And then now Gordon's had a fantastic game against Liverpool. It's like, oh, Gordon's got to start. And I, I completely agree with you. You know, he has to. Um, Adam's making me feel a little bit better now. If if I see James Milner starting at right back, <laughs> I'll I, change I my stance a little bit better. Adam, you know, you, you, this oh, is building. It's like a therapy session. This is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I send my uh, bill at the end. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I do think you'll see Joel Veltman play at right back for this game. Um, I I would be very surprised if he starts Milner again after last week, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Adam Webster um, put on the bench as well. So. Uh, there's um I think you're coming to it, uh, Chris, um in in the comments. Uh comment from Jake. Welcome Jake to the channel. I don't think I've seen the chat before. Um he's put what happened yeah. to Lamptey? Yeah, that's good good job. What's, uh, What's going on? Yeah, lot lot of injuries. And he had a big injury uh not a year and a half ago. Is that the and, hamstring? Yeah, it was something and he redid it as well. And um he's not you could see he didn't have the same burst of yeah. pace for, and that was his whole game. Um, with all due respect to him, he was, he was he could like terrorize someone down the wing, and he could beat anyone for pace. And uh, he's not been able to come back from that. He nearly left in the January transfer window a few months back. Uh, sport in Lisbon, weirdly, we're like trying to sign him, um, and uh, apparently he's now being. Uh, kept on the club don't want to get rid of him so clearly maybe they've seen something decent in his in his like rehab and his um pre-season i would love to see him back playing because he there was a period of time where he was just terrorizing everyone down that right wing and he just hasn't done that for quite a long period of time at this point so i feel really bad for him chris do you remember that you remember that game at st james's park in lockdown where he single-handedly destroyed us. Yeah. Yeah, that's when St. Maximin didn't track him. And he just yeah. went. And he just kept going and going and going. And then they scored and it was like, what? oh, no, well, no, didn't he? Did, was it? Was that the one where he won the penalty? Yeah, he won the penalty, penalty. didn't he? Yeah. But there was yeah. another time where that happened as well, where he didn't yeah. track him and he just got rinsed. Yeah. I hope he could come back because he would fit into the system so well. Oh, he'd be yeah. brilliant. Was it was that a three one game? I think it was like three one or something. Like that. Was it three nil? Because there was a couple of one season we got beat three nil home and away, didn't we? 
Yeah, it was a year before, two years ago, three years ago. Mm. Lockdown, lockdown On season. the boost, yeah. I've lost track of all the last years since the COVID thing. I don't even know what year it is anymore. So, yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Three years. Oh, that was that was crazy. But, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he comes back into the reckoning. I'm not too sure. But there's another guy that I did want to talk about um, that I think me and Chris are really interested in. Um and many, probably many other clubs as well. Uh, and it's uh, this guy. Yeah. Um, it's not come up on my screen, actually. There it is. Um, talk to us about him. Ivan Ferguson. Um, how good is he? Um, is he going to start, in your opinion, on Saturday? And what are your expectations of him this season? Yeah, they're high expectations for someone of, of, of his age. Because he's, I mean... I think he's still 19. Um, no, wait, is he even not even 19? I don't even, he's, I think he's born in like 2004, so he's 18. Uh, something like that, if I'm reading that correctly. Um, uh, it's it's ridiculous. And he's got, like, he's he looks like more of a man than I ever had in my life. Like he's, he's, this, he's just like, the way he's built, it's unbelievable. Uh, and his ability with the ball at his, his feet uh, and... The fact that he he's got that the way which you only top top strikers know where they need to be in order to score he has that at such a young age and that's why every club seems to be like clamoring over him because he's so young but he seems to have the mental aspect of the game and the body of someone that is in their late 20s um we played him against west ham uh, but we did a weird thing where we played Evan Ferguson and Danny Welbeck together. And I never want to witness that again in my life. Um, uh, it has to be one or the other. Uh, Evan Ferguson benefits from just being the guy up there uh, yeah. and then having someone else be able to play him in. Um, game before that, he came off the bench and looked fantastic. Uh, so I either wanted to start without Welbeck or not, but he's he's capable of pretty much anything. I think he... It's easy for me to say this, but I, I truly think the, the kid's going to be a, a superstar sooner rather than later. Chris, I know we've been linked with him uh, before, um, and, and and I think there will be continued links with him and so many other teams. Like what what kind of uh, what kind of stands out for you about Ivan Ferguson that makes him look such a super talent? I think I think as Adam said, it's it's just like it's the way he's built, isn't it? And you know, at such a young age, the fact that he's so dominant, like when he when he's in the air, when he's one of those, but he's, he reminds me. And this is a this is a you know, forgive me when I say this, I may be over egging him a bit, but he reminds me a bit of Harland. He's he's like a beast. As soon as the ball comes into him, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's quick, and he knows where he knows where the net is. And when you when you've got someone like that who's eighteen, you think, bloody hell, what's what's he going to look like if he stays away from injuries? What's he going to look like when he's 22, 23? It's it, it, it it's scary to think, isn't it? Um, he's probably one of the he's probably one of those old fashioned strikers, isn't he? Where you know we see we see a lot of strikers now, don't we? And they rely on the pace and you know yeah. standing on the last man and doing a quick turn. But Ferguson looks like he he can do it all, um, and that that's what that's what's scary about him. And you know Brighton will obviously want to keep hold of him, but if he carries on the way he is, I, I would be really surprised if one of like you know a, you know a really really big offer comes in for him because I think a lot of clubs will be watching him. My my only my only um, I suppose question for Adam, my only like 
hesitancy is. Are, are, are you trying to like look after him as best you can? Because I, I'll be honest, I thought he would have started a lot more games for you than he does because Deserby tends to go a lot with Welbeck, doesn't he? He's obviously, you know, the tried and tested and his experience. Do you think it's just about protecting him and making sure that he doesn't like get burnt out? Or do you think it is like a tactical thing and that Deserby is preferring Welbeck for certain matches? Yes, yeah, interesting one. I think it's a bit of both. But you've got to remember, this is a kid that um, I remember doing a few podcasts about, about him last year because he was he was playing for the under-19s this time last year. Like we, ever, it wasn't a thing. Um, like We knew of him as Brighton fans, but he wasn't like... He came into the side a little bit uh, into the season, if I'm remembering correctly. And we all was talking together about, okay, what should we do with him? Like, does he need time out on loan? Does he like, should he be starting? And suddenly he just like was just, just firing on all cylinders. Um, Welbeck, we know we've only got a certain timeline with Welbeck. I think there's a very, very, very clear understanding that you only have Welbeck for as long as he stays healthy, which isn't very long. Um, now, if you've burnt Ferguson out and then your backup is Welbeck and he crocks himself, you're screwed. Whereas if you do it the other way around, things can balance out a little bit better and Ferguson can come in when Welbeck's out. It might be a little bit of that. And yeah, look, he's young. He's, young. he's really young. Um, and I, I think they are being careful with him. But he is a smart kid. Like this is a kid that um, he moved to Brighton when he did have other offers at bigger clubs on the table because he's like, I knew that I wanted to be a side where I knew I would get game time and I wasn't just going to be a part of a, a youth system. Um, and yeah, perfect. I think that's a fair assessment. What Toon Gamer said, he's like Sheer and Kane rolled into one. He's, he's yeah. just got, he's just got, he's, yeah, he is like a young Sheer, isn't he? You know, when he when he first started out at Southampton, you know, he just he just based on the scene and you just knew he was going to be a good player. Then obviously, he backed it up by you know going to Blackburn and banging loads of goals for them as well. He just he just looks like the, the he just looks like someone who's got it. He's just got it all, and he's still so young. Uh, I get scared when people say things like Shearer and Kane, and and you said Harlan. Like I, I again, like we, I have to. I used to watch Brighton on an athletics pitch with a scaffold as the stand. Like it's weird to think about these things. So it's, I hope uh, anything. Is he's already better than we could have hoped for, and this and we're we're a club that spent the last, I don't know, as long as I can remember, our Premier League after Glenn Murray walked away, we we've struggled to find someone that's a striker, struggled to find someone that's a goal scorer, and now we've we're sort of spoiled for choice a little bit. Like Evan Ferguson, Danny with Danny Welbeck's had a bit of a renaissance. I mean, we've got other players that are chipping in with goals all over the pitch. You've got João Pedro, who, although he's a bit more of a 10, can play the number nine role really comfortably as well. Like, it's just it's crazy. So, yeah. Uh, I If he develops into half the player, Shearer or any of these other like players are uh, were, that would be a big win. Definitely. Absolutely. It, it, potentially, you probably won't want to hear this, but he could be the next big signing that a lot of other clubs come sniffing for. If he has the season that you anticipate, he he does. Um, yeah. Just before we run to the next section, I just want to ask you the question: If you were, or, or actually, I'm going to reword this: Who is the one player that you're worried about come Saturday in Newcastle United's team? It's definitely Anthony Gordon, and I never thought I'd say that. 
I never thought I'd say I'd be worried about Anthony Gordon with all due respect because he, he hadn't showed anything that much last season, right? I think you guys know it better than anyone else. Um, and uh, now he just, after, I, I say that, but it's a bit of a pick your poison because I think you probably have the best like central midfield grouping in the league as well. Um, so we've seen that Tonali seems to be able to do anything with the ball at his feet. Joel Linton's going to, probably murder half our team and get a yellow card. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, and as, yeah, maybe, probably not, just a warning. And then Bruno, we've, we've seen what he can do as well. So, I mean, I, and I haven't even talked about Isak either. Um, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, but Gordon's the one purely because our biggest weakness is is, is at that right right side for us. Um, that's That's my worry. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Chris, I'm asking the same question. Who are you more, most worried about on the Brighton side? Um, probably Matoma. I think Matoma's another another one of those players. He's, you know, it, it was funny. My my lad takes the credit for Matoma. Well, spotting Matoma early because um, there was a period when he first joined uh, Brighton and he came on as sub for like three or four games and me and Callum just happened yeah. to be watching the Brighton games. And he was like, that Matoma looks good. Who, who's that Matoma? And I was like, I don't know. Um, and then we just kept watching, watching. Then he started getting started. Uh, and then, well, he just went on from there. And now he's arguably one of the, uh, you know, one of the top wingers in the league. So I think I think Matoma's the one that worries me the most because he just, he just, I don't know, there's just something about him. He just, he, he always seems to make the right decision. Uh, and he's a threat. Whenever he's in, the, whenever he's in or around that 18-yard box, He's just a threat, and he's someone who I always watch, and I just think, oh, I just don't want him to get the ball. So, yeah, for me, the one I'm worried about most is Matoma. Okay, so, look, let's get into it. Let's get into the match uh, and look a little bit more into how we think the game is is going to go. But, of course, um, before we do that, we need to look at a little bit of stats. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The foulest stenches in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. <laughs> Evening, lads. <laughs> like he appears. I was looking at Adam as I was going on. I, was going on. I haven't it. seen that one. I didn't know. I didn't know you were going to top it. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to see the opposition's reaction. But Keith, Double O Stato, uh, the Thriller. How are you? How's your week been? And uh, what stats you got for us this week? It's starting off flat, but it's gradually getting better as the week's going on towards the weekend. I'm sure there was a lot of people on the uh, Sunday night and Monday morning that felt a bit flat, but now things are picking up a bit, especially uh, 
with the Airwolf Champions League draw there just about an hour or so ago. Definitely. What do you make of it? Early thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, we're going to get the chance out, really, aren't we? We're going to get the, the Davy Derby, aren't we, really? There with your brother. And then we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to get the old uh, Macam and Milan chance going, aren't we? In the, uh, with, uh, when we go back to the San Siro, so it's uh, looking good. And obviously, as well, German opposition as well. We had that in the last Champions League that we in as well. With um, it was Bayer Leverkusen when Amiobi scored a, couple, a memorable goal or two, and uh, Shira got a hat trick as well, and Loire Loire as well. So uh, happy memories of games against German opposition. We'll we'll see what this one brings. You know, it's going to be exciting, isn't it? You know, that's the key word, Keith. Excited. Everyone's excited. That is for sure. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I think Saturday is when the fixtures officially come out. So we'll be able to plot our journeys um, or nav start to navigate our way through um, the the group stages from that point. But look, what stats have we got for us this week? Massive game, massive game at the Amex against Brighton uh, for both teams. Uh, what have we got? Yep, yep. So I've got the all-time records, some head-to-head record stats here, some manager stats Zone in on a few players and then just uh, a few general figures about both clubs as well. So the all-time record that Newcastle have against Brighton, played 32 games, they've won 11, drawn nines and lost 12. So really it's almost 50-50 there, really, right across level between both sides. Played a lot of games against each other in the lower divisions in Division, uh, the what was the old uh, Division 2, now the Championship. Newcastle and Brighton have played a lot back in the day. Uh, Newcastle have only beaten Brighton twice in the Premier League. They've played 12 matches, won two, drawn six and lost four. Um, and they've only beaten Brighton away at the Amex in, um, on one occasion. Uh, they've never beaten them away in the Premier League. Uh, two draws and four defeats, only scoring two goals in six games. Newcastle's overall record at the Amex Stadium uh, in the competition uh, played nine games, won one, drawn two, and lost six. Eddie Howe has a better record against Brighton, though. Uh, he's managed 19 games, he's won 11, he's drawn five, he's lost three. Um, Roberto De Zerbi, um, 35 Premier League games in charge of Brighton. They have seen 123 goals scored 70 uh, goals scored for Brighton and 53 goals scored against that's an average of three and a half goals a game um, and that's the highest average of goals per game ratio of any Premier League manager to manage more than 30 games in the Premier League um, the goalkeeper's Nick Pope last season um, he had about 13 clean sheets and I think Brighton's uh, Roberto Sanchez and Jason Steele had about six uh, clean sheets each last season. Moving on to the players, uh, other players as well, outfield players. Uh, Chris's Holt's already mentioned there. Uh, uh, Matoma, um, he scored about 10 goals in 41 games uh, last season for Brighton. One of the top goal scorers for Brighton last season. Um, Pascal Gross, um, he um, became Brighton's top Premier League goal scorer in the last game against West Ham when he scored his 27th Premier League goal. And that overtook Neil Morpé 
and it uh, overtook Glenn Murray's record as well. They, they both scored 26 Premier League goals for Brighton. Callum Wilson, he's uh, scored about five goals and he has four goal-scoring assists in 11 games um, against Brighton. Good record, that of uh, output for uh, Wilson. Newcastle are looking to avoid losing three Premier League games in a row uh, since losing to Chelsea, Everton and Tottenham in March and April 2022 in the 21-22 season. Um, Sunday's game was the first time that Newcastle had lost a Premier League home game under Eddie Howe in which they had scored first. Uh, uh, The record was um, 17 wins and five draws beforehand. Um, Newcastle had won 16 of their previous 17 games when opening the scoring before Sunday's game as well. Um, Newcastle uh, named the same starting 11 in their opening Premier League games of this season for the first time since 2010-2011 season. I think uh, was Chris Hutton. I think it was Chris Hutton was the manager back then as well. So that really is going back some time. Um, <clears throat> Brighton uh, suffered a three-one defeat of uh, West Ham last time out, um, and they've won um, the first two Premier League matches of the season. Um, Brighton haven't lost consecutive games since October 2022, which was Roberto De Zerbi's second and third game in charge. So he's been on a hell of a run there down at Brighton. Um, Newcastle have lost uh, their past two Premier League games um, after um, losing only two of their previous 15 before that game. Those two games saw 10 wins and three draws in that run for Newcastle. Um, And Newcastle... um, Last suffered, I mentioned there, when they'd last suffered the uh, three consecutive defeats. I uh, wanted to speak a little bit about Anthony Gordon. Um, he has uh, been involved in three goals uh, in the uh, past four Premier League games for Newcastle. He's really starting to come into some form for Newcastle. Two goals and one assist um, in his recent games as well this season. Um, and beforehand, he hadn't um, scored or assisted in his previous uh, 20 games, but now he's got um, these first Premier League goals as well against Chelsea at the end of last season and um, against um, Liverpool. He scored that great goal on Sunday. Uh, his first two Premier League goals as well were scored against Black Brighton, and that was in January 2022. Um, and he scored uh, first, and that was a game where Evan lost 3-2. And that is just about it. Um, apart from two of the uh, three players to progress the ball the furthest off-field in the Premier League this season, um, in the Premier League are Brighton's Lewis Dunk. He's managed to uh, progress the ball 682 metres. Um, so he tops it. And I know, Chris, you were mentioning about Matoma as well. Another concern as well as he's on that list as well. Uh, he's managed to progress the ball 530 uh, metres upfield as well. He's third. Mm-hmm. Um, only um, Manchester City's Phil Forden 
with uh, his is is one of the uh, only players to have created more chances following a ball carry than Matoma. So Phil Foden's done it with six. He's created six more chances, and Matoma's created five chances again and again. Matoma again. When you talk about progressing the ball, he's um, progressed the ball further off field than um, than any other non-defender. So again, there's sort of like a pattern here with Brighton with the progressing the ball upfield under uh, and style of play under Deserby as well. And that rounds off the uh, stats for tonight. Brilliant stats as always, Keith. Fantastic stuff. And uh, interesting with the, the the additional ones with, you know, the, the ball carries as well. I think it's quite interesting from a, from a Brighton perspective, uh, perspective uh, Adam. Did you know some of those stats? No, it's, Keith knows more stats about Brighton than I do. Um, I'll tell you what, Chris, you mentioned you were having therapy earlier. That was my therapy. I feel better about the game now. Um, I'm like, uh-huh. okay, we're gonna we're gonna go out there and get three points, nice and easy on Saturday. Now, uh, look, um, it's I think it's really interesting to see a lot of some of the things that you 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 sort of touched on about recent performances and runs of games. I didn't know that one about us not having lost two on a trot uh, since pretty much what nearly what is that? Four plus months ago, fourteen months ago, um, back in October, yeah, 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 twelve, yeah, eleven months ago. But at the same time, I'm nervous about stats at the moment, given that all the everyone was giving us the big in against West Ham last week, and we saw how that works out. Because oh yeah, West Ham haven't done anything against Brighton for since the Championship, and Brighton are going to easily win, and then we we see what happened there. So, going to be interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, I just wanted to have a look at the uh, tactics board. Hopefully, hopefully it works this week. Um, can, can you guys see that? See the screen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, um, what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to click that button there. And look, Adam, I'm going to get you to pick the team. Hopefully all the players are there. If they're not, then I'll, I, I can add them in. But um, uh, I assume you're going to go Jason Sterling goal. Well, we actually started Bart Verbruggen against West Ham. Um, oh, okay. But uh, I would yeah, expect to see... That. Yeah, I would. I expect to see Steele. Okay. Um, so again. We'll, we'll put him in there for now, but we can get the alternative goalkeeper in there as an option. But who, uh, who and how are you going to set up your team, do you think, on Saturday? You know, my answers are going to be very different to Deserbi's because, um, you know, I don't know if you play fantasy football... And Guardiola is sort of known as the board fraud. Yeah. Because he's, yeah, you know, um, and Deserby's like a well, a, a non board fraud for us now because he's always just putting in random changes that we just don't expect to happen. Like, like last week where we switched goalkeepers and Welbeck and Ferguson started, which they never do. And, but having said that, maybe I can just give you what I hope will happen. Uh, so, right back, I'd love to see Joel Veltman. Um, okay. if you've got him there yeah we have I just need to pick up there there um, he is right back yeah yeah then the centre backs this is where it's going to be weird because Adam Webster was so so awful last game I hope he gets dropped the problem is who do you play because Lewis Dunk's obviously going to play there um, right or left side depends on who's playing alongside him because if mm. it Igor is a new signing we got from Fiorentina. He hasn't played yet, but he's left-footed. Mm. So he'd play on the left side. Uh, if it's Van Hecker, 
uh, Van Hecker might play on the right side and Lewis Dunk plays on the left. So it depends. So we can put, pop him wherever you want. It doesn't make too much of a difference. They sometimes switch in game as well, which they did against West Ham. Um, yeah, I've got Van Hecker yeah, on let's put Let's put Van Hecker in. I think that's probably the most likely, especially because he does fairly well against big, big strikers. Um, yeah. uh, I know his acts pretty. By the way, I watched a video the other day uh, where it was Isaac speaking, I couldn't believe his voice. Yeah, it doesn't match him, does it? <laughs> at all. Where did, where did that come from? <laughs> like he's from it's, London. Yeah, he sounds like where I grew up, but I've I lost mine and mine went all south coasty. And his is his. He sounds like where I originally grew up, like northeast London. Um, anyway, uh, left back will be a stupidian. There's no. Oh, you, had it a second ago. He can he can be the consistent one every game. Yeah. Uh, then they'll play the double pivot. Now this is where it will be interesting as to who they actually play there. Um, I don't think they'll play Belieber yet, but you've got like four choices here. You can have Billy Gilmore, who's been uh, against Wolves. He was our best player. Mm-hmm. Um, now Pascal Gross is it always in the team, so I I would expect it to be them two. Um, okay. and Gro- Gross will play on the right side of that and Gilmore will play yeah. on the left side of that double pivot Gross just got his first call up to the Germany squad today um, he's wow. 31 years old and obviously Lewis Stunt got the call up to England as well so uh, yeah deserve be given these guys a bit of an international renaissance um, but uh, then you've got I guess Matoma is going to play on your left side as we talked about uh, and right side will be Solly yeah, did he come off the bench the other day? Nice. No, st- oh, I think I'm he started the bench, but um, uh, but yeah, he, he's had a he's had a good start to the season. To be fair, yeah, he's been. I wrote Sully March off a long time ago, which is why no one pays me from any of my thoughts on football. Um, and Deserby's changed him into just something he never was. He's a completely different player. Yeah, March um, just, started. Yeah, I thought he did. Um. And then you've got a, a bit of a weird decision here. I think João Pedro will play um, right there. Um, and then I th- I would hope Evan Ferguson plays up top, but I could very easily see Danny Welbeck be playing there instead. We haven't talked about the fact that we've got Mahoud Dahoud from Dortmund, your new group mates um, yeah. as well. He didn't start last week and he did look good in the previous games. So there's a chance that he comes in. Um, but I think that's pretty much what you you might be seeing. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and then we come to Newcastle United. So, Chris, put me through the team that you think is going to start at the weekend. Okay. So, I think Nick Pope will be in goal. Okay. I think um, Kim Trippi will play right back. Where's Trips? Trips is up here. Uh, I think right centre-back will be Fabian Shah. Okay. I think left centre-back will be Dan Byrne. Okay. And I think Lewis Hall is going to make his debut. Lewis Hall? Yeah. Is up here somewhere? I, there he is. Yeah, I think Lewis Hall makes his debut. Uh, I think Bruno will play in the six. There's Bruno. He's up here somewhere. Oh, no, it's not there. He is. Uh, I think uh, Joe Litton will play on the left side of midfield in the in the centre. Big Joe. Big and Joe. then 
right side will be Tenali. Somewhere. There we go. Oh, oh no. There we go. Yeah. And then I think it will be Gordon. Gordon's here somewhere. Where is it? Where there? there he is. There he is. Gordon will be there. I think. Oh. I think Isaac through the middle. He's at the top here, I think, somewhere. There we go. And despite what some people think, I think he will go with Miggy. I'm glad you haven't said Wilson, by the way. I think I said this before. Keith stats back this. I hate Wilson. I don't want to see him. <laughs> yeah, it gives us a problem. He, he, he's, he's got a good record, to be fair. Um, he's got a good record. Fair play um, against Brighton. But yeah, I think, um, I think he... Isaac is the main man, um, and he has to start for me. But um, yeah, interesting team. No Sven Botman. You know, it's been argued that he might be fit for this weekend, but we're not quite sure. He's going to be a massive miss. Um, but it does look like that if he comes in, uh, that he, if he doesn't make it, that that Dan Burn is going to slot in on that left hand side. Pete, you know yeah. if uh, well, question for you and Keith actually. You know if um, Sven Botman is fit, he'll start. Do you do you think that Dan Byrne will stay left back, or do you think this might actually be the week for Lewis Hall, regardless of Byrne? Keith, I'll let you answer that one. What, what, what do you what do you think? Do you think this is the week for Lewis Hall? <clears throat> um, I definitely think he'll be playing a part. That's for sure. But does uh, does how start him? You know, in a game that's a must not lose game. You know, and uh, is he likely to go with what he knows? With Dan Byrne for for about an hour, and then bring Lewis Hall on. That's if Sven Botman doesn't figure, and that and uh, you know, and let's say how goes doesn't go with what Chris's team is there the back four. Then he does push Byrne out to that other side. Mm. Botman comes back in, uh, but I'm thinking again if Botman isn't fit. He's not going to figure. I think this could be the weekend, but certainly for a start. So you'd take Hall over Target. I would personally, but I don't know whether Hal would pick Target over Hall. What do you think, Pete? I think Target would, would, would start over Hall. I think with all the rumours of Target being of interest of teams like Fulham, um uh, and and one or two others that tried to sign him and how said no to then go and start hall ahead of him i think i don't think he's going to try and rub players up the wrong way that way personally i would i think the the sooner hall comes into the team the better but i go back to last week lewis hall wasn't in the squad and he was in the stands with with dummit and with gillespie and i was quite surprised to see that because in the in the pictures, he trained all week, as far as we're aware. So I'm thinking, well, why why is he not in the squad? And it may be that he's doing a little bit like he's doing with other players, in that he's trying to get Hall up to speed, up to Newcastle speed. He's played a little bit in preseason, not a lot, 
but he's trying to get him up to speed before he then releases him into the first team. So for me, I'm not quite sure that he would pay, although I would like him to, because I think even, even at where he's at right now, at the levels he's at, I think he could really make a difference to our team. I said to you, Chris, before we went on air, apart from Darwin Nunes' first goal, which was really unlucky uh, for Sven Botman in the way in which it landed, pretty much every goal that we've conceded has come down the left-hand side. So for me, it's a, it's a huge concern. It's a concern and it's an issue. And it's not an issue necessarily with Sven Botman, who's been fantastic, by the way, this season. Outstanding. Um, the issue is on the left-hand side of defence uh, as a fullback, And it's an area that we need to address. I wouldn't be surprised, if I'm honest with you, um, uh, that, that Matt Target starts. Um, certainly if Dan Burns slots in on the left... Regardless, I think Dan Byrne is going to play against Brighton. He's going back to the Amex. Um, all the kind of emotion, all the rest of it around that. He's a leader in the team. I don't think Eddie Howe is going to go out of his way to drop him. Um, but if Sven Botman was fit, I think, and it wasn't against Brighton, I think Eddie Howe would consider it. Um, mm. And I think in, in, the, in the games to come, whether it's Brentford, Sheffield United away, after that, after that, I think that's where Lewis Hall potentially could come in. But um, if it was me, I'd probably switch Target and Hall. But I would actually be happy with that team there. Is there anything you would change with, with that, Keith, with the rest of the team? Or do you think it's kind of um, you know, part of the course, really, in terms of what we expect? Yeah. Um... <sighs> I'm pretty much aligned to what's on that team. Agree this is an opportunity for Lewis Hall to figure at least at some point in the game if he doesn't start. Um, you've got to go with the likes of Gordon at the minute. He's on fire at the minute and he's producing for club and country as well, albeit under 21s. And I think there is a little bit of pressure for Almiron at the moment, but he does give the team a pace really. So I think at the minute... He stays in the side, you know, as opposed to bringing in somebody like a Barnes. I think maybe this this would be the game where you'd start with uh, Anthony Gordon, given his display from the start against Liverpool, and then bring Barnes on in the second half. Mm -hmm. Maybe at some point. Definitely. I think Barnes is going to get to a point where we're going to have to make a decision and we're going to have to in introduce Barnes. Barnes came for £38 million. You can't keep a, a player like Barnes on the bench. So if he's not, if he's not, if Gordon's playing so well that he's not getting in the team, but Almiron's maybe not doing the job. He had a couple of chances on, on Sunday. He had a few chances. In fact, he you know, should have should have scored a couple of them. But say, for example, the game's not going the way Almiron wants. I do think, even though it's not his position, that Barnes needs to be introduced onto the right. Yeah. We need to get him playing football whether it's on the right or whether it's on the left. You might want to even switch Gordon onto the onto the right and play Barnes down, down that left-hand side. But either way, we need to get Barnes up and running and playing football because once he's fit and, and, and up to speed, you're going to get him making better decisions um, than what he did on Sunday, where he was through. Where he was through, he probably should have played Wilson in, but he hesitated and then the ball didn't fall for him. So it's kind of like, you know, that's not Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes is normally spot on with making those decisions. But I think the lack of football is affecting him and we need to get him up to speed. Um, 
it's an interesting one. Really, really interesting um, how we kind of go about things and how we work. Look, from your, from your perspective, Adam, where do you think at the Amex, Brighton could potentially expose Newcastle United? Yeah, I mean, you've been talking a lot about your left back situation. That that's, mm. I think we could we could be in for some interesting like chess moves from the managers during this game, depending on how that all plays out, but uh, and what they end up doing with the subs and repositioning a little bit. Oh, you've got different feels. Look at that; it's different pitches. Yeah. <laughs> some good tech, uh, because uh, let's say it is it ends up being Dan Byrne at left back, right? Um, Solly depends on how he ends up playing, but we've got a really interesting lad on the bench, Simon Adingra, who's come off the bench most of the games this season. Uh, he's 21 years old and he's absolutely electric. Now, I could see him being brought into the game at a certain point, but I could also then, like, depending on how, because I think, I think we're going to come out more attacking than we otherwise would, especially with we're at home and after what happened against West Ham. I do think yeah. it's going to be a more aggressive team. If it was, if we were playing away, I'd take Jao Pedro out of this. I guarantee it would be Welbeck instead of Ferguson. And I think you probably have uh, the who there. So you've got a little bit more solidity with sort of three players that control the centre midfield, where Jao Pedro is going to do all he can to get forward. Yeah. Um, Trippier's reliable, but Matoma's capable of anything. I, and I know someone mentioned a little bit earlier, like Trippier had Matoma in his pocket. I mean, when we played last year, especially towards the end of the season, like it was a, a different Brighton side. This was a side that we had all of these weird games bunched up towards the back end of the year because of the fixture congestion that we had and some of the challenges there. Matoma was our like most tired player at the end of last season. I don't know if you watched any of his game against Wolves recently, but like he's just he's playing out of his skin at the moment when he doesn't have 11 men stood there behind the ball um and the goal he scored against wolves where he took on like five defenders and just went through there was another bit of control that he did um and that might have been against luton where he just completely baffled the defender and just bolted past him um so it'll be it's all it's all going to be made on the wings this game it feels like there's going to be this big melee and like a big battle in the middle where I think, I don't know who's going to come out on top there, but if Estee Opinion's bombed forward and you're playing Almiron, he's going to get a ton of space in behind. We've already talked about Gordon and the right-back situation from our perspective with Veltman. Uh, you know, I think Veltman's not the best right-back in the world and Anthony Gordon's playing really, really well. It's going to be, it's all going to be wing-based play for me. It's going to, that's going to dictate how this game ends up. Definitely. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a scenario that I worry about on the right-hand side. So, if Almiron's got the ball, um, it, he ultimately wants to play it into Isaac. But Dunk's very good. He gets in there. He sniffs out the, the, the danger. At that point, with Almiron on the ball, this is where you find Trippier. And this is where Matoma's going to be going at. Um, what I worry about is the next phase. If he wins the ball, this is where Matoma's going to be. Trippier's not the quickest in getting back. But Lewis Dunk has the ability to play the ball either in there or in there. Okay, so if he plays the ball in there as um, one movement, and I'm not going to move any other players here um, uh, for, for this example, but I can in others. But if you look at the next phase, that ball in and around into that area is where you're going to look to try and get him in there. But Matoma 
is very quick and going to get in there. That brings Shaw over in that situation. Then if you look at the next phase, Matoma against Shaw is where I worry about because there is a lack of pace between these two. And I do worry about that. Talali will get back in and defend it. You're going to have Jar Pedro looking to expose that space. Ferguson in here against Dan Byrne is it's up in the air in terms of who's going to do what. But then you look at the next phase, if he brings it in here into this area, which he can do, or he could go into this area here and take a shot. You've got the likes of Shaw coming in here, but Evan Ferguson is the one that I genuinely worry about. And then you've got the opportunity of going across goal or in here out. For argument's sake, I'm going to put it across goal here. And then in the next phase, it's I'm just going to put it in the middle here because Pope could either save it or it could be a goal. So you can look at it and see how it kind of falls into effect. Look at this as my football manager save. Look at this. So you can see how it you can see how it could potentially move out, and this and this is kind of how he could expose um, our backline. Now, what I would say with that is that, um, and I can, I'll, I'll speed it up. I'll speed it. Up. We'll do it again. We'll, we'll we'll play it in. This is the what I worry about with Trippier and Shaw because of the lack of pace. Now we could do that in a different situation from a Newcastle perspective, and I could show you Gordon from 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 that point of view. Um, if, if you're happy for me to do it, I'm, I'm quite happy to show you an example from a Newcastle perspective. Um, but this is how you could potentially um, expose, uh, be exposed from a Newcastle perspective from Brighton, um, either side of the pitch. You know, if Dan Byrne was there or, or if we swap out Lewis Hall and put Target in there, that's what I'd be worried about with, with, with Solly March is that the lack of pace in and behind. Equally, yeah, you know, we, we, we've got the situation where you know you, you've got the likes of, of Gordon on the ball. Now, Gordon likes the ball out wide, so you've got someone like Bruno Gamaris, Sandro Tonali. You know, they're going to want that ball sprayed into Gordon in that situation. So, if we look at the, the passage of play, he you know, he might simple ball in. To Gordon, uh, to Joe Linton, there, Joe, Joe Linton plays it out. This is what Gordon did time and time again uh, against Trent Alexander-Arnold. He just went uh, he just went with it every single time. He just went at his man. He's going to try and stick with him, but Gordon's too fast. And in the next phase, you're going to see Gordon coming to this area um, with the ball. He's going to try and get back in. You're going to see um, your centre-backs get back in, but this is where Isaac, you're going to get Miguel Miron um, and the likes of others. I'm going to throw him in. I'm going to build up the situation in, in terms of how it could potentially progress. Bruno Gamera's loves to get forward. But what I want to see is that final ball connect um, and it be the next phase that is either taking on his man into this deep area here, okay, and I, for argument's sake, I'll put it in here, that he beats his man like he did Trent. Alexander Izak coming near post. The next ball in um, to Izak. And then we see Isaac put the ball in the net. That's what I want to see because it, Veltman is a good, a good centre back. Uh, oh, sorry, centre back and right back. Yeah, he has the pace of Gordon. So if we see that in effect, Gordon's going to run it in. The ball is going to come in. And it's either going to be in the net or it's going to be to Isaac. Isaac puts it in the net. Um, mm. That's what I want to see. I want him to see. I want him to be direct. It's what we, Chris, Keith, on um, on on Sunday. 
isn't that what we got so much success from against Liverpool? Yeah. Yeah, Gordon. Gordon was causing Trent all kinds of problems, wasn't he? Yeah. Even like ten minutes in, he was causing those problems. And you know, for me, it was interesting, Pete, when you were running through that. I was looking at particularly Joe Linton, and I was thinking that we need Joe to get forwards and offer him that outlet, or at least look like you know, oh, he's going to play it to Joe Linton, and then he just turn, you know, turn a pace, and then he, he'll just cut to try and get into that byline. And then once it gets to the byline, it's whether Joe's ready for it, Isaac's ready for it, but then you've got Tonali and Bruno also bombing in. But it, you're right, it's that it's that final ball. And I think at times on Sunday, it let us down because we got ourselves into really good positions, but we just didn't we didn't execute that final ball, you know, to give us a good chance of putting the ball in the net. Yeah, definitely. Keith, what's your opinion? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm inclined to agree really with you um, about the concerns on the left side, the chances that have been created uh, for the opposition, and the concerns and the goals. Um, and certainly in the attacking wise, I think that's probably our strongest lineup with the the chance from Gordon. If Gordon continues in the vein of form he has been continued, he's already started with. Um, that's our best chance, really. Certainly, um, get the chance, you know, down down that flank, get the ball in, Isaac. Definitely, I want to see more of Isaac getting on the ball. Um, I I don't know how deep or how high up you guys play, Adam. Um, uh, do do you tend to play a high line, or do you, do you tend to sit quite deep as a as a defensive pairing? No, there's no sitting back with this team. Uh, yeah, you saw from the stats, we score a lot and we concede a lot. Um, they'll, they'll play fairly high up and they'll play a bit of a dangerous game. Um, but uh, it's it mainly depends around how the possession plays out. Now, we're going to be at home. They'll be aiming for like a ton of the ball, at which point they'll sit and sit and sit. And as I mentioned before, they'll wait from the press. They'll wait for that press. And I think you made a really good point. Like a lot of people think of Brighton as a play the ball around close on the floor, nice short passing. Lewis Dunk plays a lot of long balls, a lot of really accurate long balls, especially out to that left flank. Um, as soon as there's an opening there, the ball will go out there. Um, yes, sometimes it will go into one of the um, the holding midfielders and they'll play with their back to goal and start to create more space. But it all depends on the press. Um, but it's also worth noting that we we don't balance our left and right attacks. So we're way more over-indexed on attacking down the left wing. Um, and uh, what you'll find is Estupinian will play further up than the, the right back will, um, mainly for the fact that he's not... 45 years old like James Milner is um, or, you know, not as pacey like Joel Veltman is. So Solly and Veltman sit a little bit further back, a little bit more defensive. Estupinian and Matoma are pushed way further up and you tend to have a little bit more of the sort of defender and center, uh, the, the deep line sort of playmaker or defensive. Yeah, yeah, but it will sometimes go right out to the wing. It just depends on the space that's being created by the defender and how they're lined up. Yeah, We'll... Um, We'll also, it'd be interesting, watch out for this at the weekend because it, it, we, we switched this up from time to time. And this is one of the mistakes we made against West Ham. Um, we tucked the fullbacks in. So uh, uh, who was it? Um, Estupinian uh, and Milner basically like came off the flanks 
and started to push right into the middle of the pitch. Like um, no, they condensed in further in towards the okay. center circle. Yeah, so they would push up there and we um, basically tried to like condense everything down. And we, st we just weren't creating enough wide. So we were trying to just like smash the ball through the middle. And that's what happened. As you saw what happened, we just couldn't score. Yeah. Normally what we'll do is they'll actually play right far out and pushed far up to create like much more expansive football. And for me, I much this team needs expansive football. That's where it shines. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what we do because you've got that particularly solid central midfield grouping like a lot of power in there. So it'd be interesting to know whether we try and like capitalize on the spaces out on the flanks or we try and overload the central midfield area and try and win there. Yeah. It's, um, we, we, we do work hard in that midfield. We like to press and work hard. I, I do, uh, we've talked about it before. I do worry about the recovery runs in here from Bruno going forward on the ball. No concerns that he, he sprays the ball around. Lovely. It keeps the ball ticking over, whether it's through the back line, through forward. What I will say, though, Chris, Keith, you might uh, agree, disagree with this, is that I don't want to see this ball being played across the back no. line like it was against Liverpool. No. Um, that, that really, really annoyed me. I'll I, I move this back because it happened time and time and time again. And this is why we kind of gave... Liverpool a little bit of confidence that they could get back in the game because ultimately, you know, we, we were just holding possession. So we play it across the back line. Uh, Ferguson would come and press in here. We'd be playing it across there and then play it. And if there's no no pressing on, we'd just play the ball back. We play it into midfield, Amir on. Instead of going forward with Amir on with the ball yeah. and, and progressing, he'd play it back to Bruno and so forth and we weren't penetrating enough we weren't looking to kill the game and that's why we, we got stung with it but I think with Dan Byrne being less confident on the ball I think we're going to be looking like we're going to look and try and dig it into midfield what I really really what, what I think this team really really misses that we really benefited from last season and I don't know if you guys agree with this and I moved the, the team up because you said you play like kind of a a little bit of a higher role is this Joe Linton making this run in here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Fabian Shaw is on the ball. I'll even do a frame for you. And it's that ball in, into this space here. Joe Linton makes the run in and behind. He was playing as a left midfielder at that point, but that ball that comes into that space there um, and then is in on goal. Okay, uh, he did it against Tottenham. He did it against West Ham. Um, in most cases, you know, you got the keeper comes out, takes it around the keeper in this space there, and then you're looking at um, a goal. We don't have that option because Gordon doesn't make the same runs. That's the run that you see. You saw it against West yeah. Ham. You saw it against um, Tottenham, and it, it is a run that that makes defenders nervous. They don't like the running in and behind. He's got the power, he's got the pace, he's got the technique to get the ball down and make something happen. Um, and that's something that I... I oh, the other makeup of Harvey Barnes and Gordon, they don't... They're, they're not built the same way. It's a really unique tactic, uh, tactic and we've got the quality of Shaw to make the ball and Joe Linton to make the run, but Gordon isn't built the same way. And that's something that, if even if Joe Linton is playing 
And I'll just delete this for a second. If Joe Linton is playing in that position, um, that's what I would want him to do, even from here, from a midfield three. And if that's the case, I'd want Gordon to sit back and Joe Linton to make that run. And if things break down, he can fill in here and fill in back in there until Joe Linton comes back. I don't know what you guys think about that. It's an interesting point you raised, Pete, about that. So do you feel like now that we've got the two new players who've got great output and, you know, the chances of creating goals, but we've lost certainly what was making some of what Joe Lenton was, that was effective last season, really in the last season and a half before that, because he's can't really get him into those positions when Sorton Gordon or Barnes are on the pitch to do those sort of diagonal runs across the the box in that final third to create those chances. It's, uh, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to agree with you on that. Um, and also as well, unfortunately, now that Maxi's gone as well, you, you, you lose a little bit as well of that unpredictability and the, the fear of God that used to put, put in the opposition as well. Um, it's, it's a different type of fear of God because... Like, you're right what you're saying, Keith, but Gordon gives you that different type of fix. He's so direct, and I love that about him. But we need an alternative to that. You know, if that if that was Botman and Dan Byrne, for example, playing that ball um, across here to Miggy, you're not guaranteed he's going to get onto the end of it or even make the right run to connect with that ball. But you know where Joe Linton is always going to get there. And I think we need to find a way, even if he's in that midfield three. Working it in the side again. Exactly. Working that run and that ability to cut things off, especially being the defensive team in the away team, can we expose Brighton? If they're going to push up, like Adam, you quite rightly said, they're going to push up. You're going to tighten the space. You're going to make it difficult because you're going to want to push us back. But we've got a player like Shaw, like Trippier, that can play those balls. Can we expose it? Trippier exposed it time and time again, Southampton away last season. Played that ball across. I think Willock scored off the back of that. Played that ball across across field. Willock was playing in this position, ran through, scored. Joe Linton's done it a couple of times as well. Can we have something as an alternative, an out ball, playing away from home that could be something that makes the difference? I, I don't know. Um, Especially, and that's what that's why you, you you know it's great having such a mobile striker like um, Isaac up front because Isaac, if Isaac knows that's coming, Isaac can pull. You know, either Van Hecker or uh, Lewis Dunk, he can pull them away from that, knowing that one's going to be made. So if Isaac jogs 20 yards to to his right and then he pulls Van Hecker, that's where Joe Linton can try and get past Gross. And then he's got a, he's got a gap, you know, to be able to run into. Yeah. Um, so Isaac, Isaac plays a big part in that, in that he's not static. He's not someone who just stands up front and waits for the ball. He likes to drift left or drift right. And if he can do that and then pull the centre-backs away, it then creates that space. That would that would be another ideal situation. Another absolute ideal situation. Um, I'm just mindful. Adam, you want to mention anything Brighton-related before we move on? I mean, well, the, the news of the last 24 hours is more... That, that, that's the... I don't know if you meant tactically or just in general, but yeah, I mean, I, this, it, um, this is going to be a really, really interesting game this weekend. Uh, and I've, I wish I could tell you I have any idea how it plays out, but I could very easily see us winning 
3-1 and also losing 3-1, kind of pretty much going back to what you said, this just feels like chaos is going to happen regardless. We'll say, we say all this, it'll end up 0-0. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've also got, I know you've just had the draw for the, the Champions League. We've got the the Europa League tomorrow, so we'll find out yes. what that's going to You should keep an eye out for that, given the group you're in. You may well be in it and joining us <laughs> soon after yeah. the first yeah. round. Uh yeah, so I, I hope for you that isn't the case. But um, yeah, it's going to be, we're going to probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, be talking about a European draw tomorrow and Ansu Fatty signing for Brighton. Two things I never thought I would say. Definitely. Uh, but look, it's going to be interesting. Really, really interesting. Uh, good opinions from the boys with regards to tactics and how we think the game's going to go about. The tactics board will come back. We'll throw some scenarios out your way in, in many other away days moving forward. Um, and someone else mentioned in the chat about Livermento. Livermento is an option as well. Yeah, it's a great shot. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. another one I forgot about there, Livermento. Mm -hmm. Come on, at some stage. Yeah, he can play on the left. He used to say he doesn't start. He's, he's been here long enough now that he maybe gets an opportunity. But let's wait and see. A um, couple of questions, Chris, before we wrap up with predictions. Absolutely, mate. Um, so, yeah, Brett C kind of adds on to what Adam just said there. Do we think both teams uh, will be out to prove a point on Saturday? Or do you think it will be cagey as no one wants to make a mistake? Brighton don't play cagey now. Not <laughs> under the Zerbi. They don't, there's no cagey. Uh, we lose badly or we'll win. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, we're not too cagey. That's what I'm a little bit worried about because we've said how nervous we are um, following, you know, obviously the City game and then the Liverpool game. You know, we, we to have three losses on the bounce before an international break is not great. Um, that's, so, that's what I was thinking as well. I'm wondering if some of the off the field and some of what's going on as well on the pitch might affect Newcastle and, and where we must not lose this game mentality and make them a bit cagey. Are you guys going to sign anyone else? Is there any like mutterings about that we don't believe so no. I don't think it's going to happen no. I think I think in particular if nobody else is going to go out the door I can't really see anybody coming in that was last week I mentioned and I think it would only be if one or two people were like loaned out mm. freed, freed up for maybe a clever loan in but I don't think that'll happen now yeah yeah we, we, we mentioned on the Champions League draw show that um, looks like Hayden's going to Sheffield Wednesday, but I think we'd need a few more, maybe a first-team player that, that would leave in order for us to act. But, yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. Adam McCarthy asks you, um, what are your thoughts on Dunk and England squad? Will he play? Yeah, I'm glad, so I'm glad he asked that question. Good name. Um, <laughs> we It's been like a running joke and frustration for Brighton fans that Dunk doesn't get a proper shot with England because he's like uh, he's been so consistently good and not just that but you know you've had those defenders and maybe you've got one now I, I don't watch enough of your games obviously to know but every defender apart from last week that normally plays alongside Lewis Dunk looks better than what they actually are individually and we've seen that time and time again we saw that with Shane Duffy we've seen that with Adam Webster when he plays countless centre-backs that have played alongside him and he deserves it um he's been like we sort of mentioned before not just from a sort of a, a tackling standpoint a defensive standpoint he's a really good passer of the ball 
um, and he sort of marshals that whole team properly. He's a very good captain, um, and he and he creates play. Like this whole system starts play from the goalkeeper and the centre backs. That's where it goes from. It's not just get the ball out to the wing back and run up the line. It comes from one of the two centre backs and then into one of the from from the keeper, or the keeper just sprays it out. Um, Shane Duffy from Boyzone, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so will he play? I don't know because my uh, I, look, I. Apologies if people are big fans, but I, I despise Gareth Southgate. So I just assume he's going to do the dumbest thing possible and not play him. To be fair, Gareth Southgate is arguably dropped the best keeper of the three. Uh, Nick Pope's not even in the squad. And he's brought Sam Johnson in. Uh, Speaking of all the conversation that we had earlier about Moyes and negative football and things like that, that's where Southgate lost me. Like, I I want to watch good, like, football that's enjoyable to see. And I think that's when we, um, you know, when when we scrape through games, that's what he he just doesn't play this football that I love to see. And his selections are just weird. So I know this isn't an England podcast, but you've just started me off on Southgate. He he always riles me up. Can be very frustrating. Yeah, not the not the not the biggest fan of him. Um, and then our, the last question from our, our very own Keith Roll: um, Who do you think is going to be the winner of the transfer window this season? I thought it was an interesting question. Not <laughs> doesn't the winner of the transfer window? I feel like didn't rarely means they're actual winners on a, the. The pitch, though, right? Yeah, true, um, because uh, I think you could probably see is the winner Chelsea just because they've spent so much <laughs> bloody money. Like, I don't I know. Love, I just, I just love the fact. I thought I would ask it because I love the fact how in the last couple of seasons it became a thing. And I'm thinking, you're making this big thing, and it's not, you don't get a trophy for for winning the transfer window. I think Spurs were the winners last year, and we know what a good season Spurs had last year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's the ones that the ones that do the quietly like efficient business that are the ones that scare me. Where they keep that core group of players, supplement it with the two or three like nice, impressive signings, and you're like, okay, that's that's smart. But I don't know. I did. I feel like I think someone brought this up in the chat as well, and you just brought up Spurs as well. That what they do with the manager feels to me like the bigger thing nowadays. Like that, what Postacoglu yeah. is now doing at Spurs. Um, and it's the same as what Deserby's done at, at Brighton. You bring in a manager that completely changes your style of play, elevates you, even with your existing players. I think someone brought up a little bit earlier when you had the tactics board up. It was like, fair play to Brighton. Like This team doesn't deserve to be a top six side. Exactly. And that's the difference that someone like Deserby can make and the ownership and the group and all that. Um, mm. And that's where that's why I laugh at size that man you where it's just like they keep switching the manager out and it's like they're 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 now battling for with ten hog and it's like well Spurs fans can already see that their their side has turned a corner like it might be tricky but they've already seen it and Man United are spending gazillions on randos and then they've still got this guy that can't seem to actually get the players to play properly so I don't know if that actually answered your question by the way I've just gone off on a tangent but um, no, it's, yeah. it's it's an interesting one isn't it I think I suppose for me if if Whose business have I been most impressed with in terms of who they've brought in? I'd probably say Villa. Um, yeah. Because I think Villa, Villa, have, Villa have signed some really good players and they will, hope, well, I'm saying hopefully, they will probably reap the rewards of those players in time to come. You know, Diaby looks great. Pau Torres, great player. Tielemans on a free. Um, they, they've done some really good business. But um, on your notes, actually, Adam, of Man United, like, 
their transfer window. I just I just don't get some of the the, the players <laughs> they've gone for, they've, they've bought and the ones they're going for. Like the trying to sign Kukureya on loan. We should have seen Kane, but he went through. He fell through the fell through the hands, didn't he? Really, Kane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, apparently, the uh, well, someone put it in, in another chat um, about Red Leon from Red Spurs. Leon. Yeah, they're trying to get him now. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's crazy. Uh, the scramble, it, the scramble for players that Spurs don't even want in Man United, Champions League, Man United are scrambling for for a player that Spurs are desperate to get rid of. Like, yeah. and yeah. Chelsea are desperate to get rid of. Like, that's unheard of. That's that's crazy. I think as I've heard some criticisms about United, Man United recently about um, some of the young players being allowed to to leave and you know being pushed out and. They're not making, you know, they're not making the money on them that they they should really be making on them, really. So I love to see it. I love it. I feel like Alex Ferguson was just such a. I mean, he's obviously one of the the greats, but I hated their domination for so long, and I love to see now that they're just not as good as they think they are, and the fans just being in constant denial. So you're just you're a business now. You're just you're a you're you're a business. Uh, that they're funneling money out of, and yeah, you play football on the side. They haven't really got United. I mean, Man United. They haven't really. It, what they did have under Fergie, certainly in the nineties, with the class of ninety two and everything, they used to have the youth didn't really in that core that came and grew together. You know, those yeah. two, three great sides, and they just haven't got that now. Really, it's like. They haven't had that sort of character. Fair enough, you've had Rashford, but who else have you you had on your books with that sort of thing? But it, it could all change, you know. In a couple of months, if you if Man United have their own takeover, things could change. Even though it could take a while, things could change. They could go in the right direction another year or so, couldn't they? Really? They haven't. They haven't got an identity. Man United. I just that's, feel that's like... exactly what I was thinking, Chris. They just you've don't look nail on the head. Yeah, they just don't look like they're not. They're not really. I mean, like, like the fact that they finished third last season is mad. And well, I think know. Newcastle could add third. We've touched on it previously. Yeah. You know, it's been yeah. mentioned on previous shows that Newcastle were well and truly in the driving seat. Had you not had a Winter World Cup, you don't know. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And then Tom Dixon asks, which I think I think Pete was going to get to. What's everyone's yeah. predictions? Go for it, Chris. We'll start with you. What's your prediction? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on the fence with Keith this week. Um, me, me and Keith actually. Oh, was that was it? Was it me and Keith? No, no, no. It wasn't me and Keith last week because I said three-one Newcastle, didn't I? No, I'm gonna say this week. Um, I think it'll finish one-one. Adam, home uh, team. Get, give me a four-three. Let's have some silliness with it. <laughs> yeah, four-three Brighton. Yeah. Wow. A Premier League, a Premier League classic. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys, if you don't predict the silly ones, you never, you know, they, they do happen. They do. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Desmond Tutu. I think it will be a draw. There will be goals in it. End to end at times. Yeah, I'm going to go with Desmond Tutu. Um, Keith, what are you going for? Well, I see two outcomes. I'm very pessimistic. 
I'm not very confident at all. So the two outcomes I do see, first outcome, I don't see Newcastle winning. Uh, and I'm going to be gloomy self here because they've got such a poor record down at the Amex. I can see this outcome to the home side. However, I also see another outcome as well. The other outcome is slightly more positive. I'll just get me other score here for the correct one. And I see fun and goals all the way. 2-2. Two, two. Desmond. And that's the one that I hope, that's certainly what I hope going into the transfer, you know, the, the actual international break, I'd like it to see at least a 2-2. Two, two. I think it'll be an entertaining and enthralling game. Um, it's going to be wide open. The stats back that up three and a half goals per game for Brighton. This is going to be this could be a thriller, uh, but I don't want what I don't want is Newcastle to go into the uh, transfer the the break with three defeats on the bounce. Yeah, no. because I think it'll just be ramped up. You can just see it now on Talk Sport and another and on Sky. What's gone wrong with Newcastle this season? And it, oh, it'll just yeah. be horrible, yeah. won't it? If there's three in a row, so please do not. Please, up there, do not make Newcastle lose on Saturday. Keith, I'll be doing what I did after Sunday. Turn everything lockdown. off. Lockdown. Yeah. The lock, Lock yeah. it down, mate. Media lockdown. Yeah. 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 The good 100%. news about an international break is you can sort of do that, can't you? You'll be like, screw it, I didn't even like football anyway. I'm not going to yeah. worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, problem, yeah. the problem is, though, on the media outlets, you can tell they don't really like talking about international football. <laughs> You know, it's it's they end up talking about games and quizzes and, and rubbish like that when 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 the Premier League's not playing. They're not interested. Unless oh. it's a World Cup, they're not interested or a Euros. He's spot on. He's spot on. I love Andrew Anderson's uh prediction. Five two to Newcastle. Um, oh, I want what oh. he's drinking. Yeah. yeah. Would, would I eat there's gone two 0 to the tune? Jordy Tune for life's gone four two for the tune. Dan has gone four nil Brighton or four nil Newcastle. Nothing in the middle. That is outrageous uh, uh, predictions there, Dan. Um, great stuff. Two <laughs> one. Yeah, well, I'll take it. Yeah, all day long. Um, it's going to be interesting, boys. It's going to be interesting. Um, that's for sure. But there's our predictions. You put yours in just whilst we give a massive thanks to. Um, our brilliant sponsors. So, first of all, massive thanks to everyone at the Radiator Shed, um, Russ and the team. Thank you so much for your support as we put Keith and Adam uh, in the prison. Although Keith, he's, he's got his head out of the way, he's trying to escape it, uh, as always. But massive thanks to those boys at the Radiator Shed. Uh, they provide top quality materials made from plate, uh, plate steel, providing longevity. All designs are manufactured in Italy. Aluminium rads are very environmentally friendly and are perfect for heat source pumps. They offer um, a home survey uh, service and will install if required. And of course, we have a little example of one or two um, that you can potentially purchase. And as well, a huge thank you um, to Bathroom Design H2O, the Northeast largest supplier of Villaroy and Botch Bathroom where uh, Team Valley Gateshead have got over 20 years established and ran by the family. So make sure you go to the showroom on 11th Avenue, Team Valley Estate in Gateshead. And uh, yeah, put the shower on, Adam. 
Um, let him let him recover after his busy day of doing all sorts of silly stuff in his house. Uh, freshen up for the evening and hopefully you have a good rest. But lots of other fantastic bathroom designs, as you can see in there. Um, still get the wife badgering me for, for a bathroom, but she's going to have to be no, I, just, I want a radiator and a bath now. These are nice, yeah. You're not you're not wrong. Uh, and uh, yeah, but Russ and the team are the place to go. That's for sure. And, and while you're there, support our good friend Jordan Cronin, um, Liam Kennedy, and as well, Dom Skur, and Newcastle World. Um, scan and, and sign up for our free NUFC newsletter for Newcastle World. Uh, the QR code's just there. Go and support the lads. And of, of course, the Geordie Journos on YouTube. Um, give them a shout. They've got some great content as well. Um, so help them out. And of course, if you're not a member, on your mobile phone um, or on a laptop, I think it might be. I can't remember which one. Um, you can click the blue button and become a member for $1.99 a month. So many members already in the live chat tonight. Thank you for your continued support um, of that. Um, and of course, uh, we are over the 6K subscribers. Uh, 6.1, just over 900 away from the magic 7,000. Uh, help us on the way to get there. And thank you. Uh, for your support. Adam, um, where can we find you uh, from a Brighton perspective? Yeah, appreciate it. We're at Together BHA. We're just at Together BHA on, on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, yeah, um, if you want to want to see the latest and greatest uh, goals from Ansi Fatty, come and join us. I'm sure we'll, we'll share those. Uh, yeah, but fun one on Saturday. Excited about it. Hopefully, hopefully neither of us are too depressed walking away for the international break. We'll see. And uh, Chris has put it in there uh, in the chat and it's just there on Thank the screen. So uh, give them a follow, uh, check out all their content um, on YouTube as well. Um, fantastic channel and a great bunch of guys. And um, of course, uh, Ansu Fati, after the international break, will do his stuff for Brighton, not on <laughs> Saturday from the Newcastle perspective. That's what we're hoping and that's how we believe it will stay. Um, everyone in the chat, you're amazing. Thank you for your comments. Your, um, your, thank you for taking the time to come and join us. Um, your questions for Adam and just general um, you know, involvement in all things at Loaded Mag NUFC. We really appreciate it. Uh, get your predictions in and we'll get them on the screen as we see ourselves out. Double O Stato, Keith Roll, legend as always. Thank you for your stats and not just your stats, your opinions on tactics and how the game is going to go. And, um, we always see how things go out, and I might get a we might get a tweet from Keith after the game. Say, "I told you so. I told you." Uh, maybe we get fingers the same crossed. this weekend. Yeah, fingers crossed, or maybe even better. Maybe we get the three points. But pleasure as always, guys. Um, have a great weekend. Pray for three points, and of course, we do love playing away. You guys, take care. We'll speak to you very, very soon.
drink it. 